Coming up, what a wild final round at the Valspar Championship. Jordan Spieth taking us on a roller coaster ride that final nine. Heartbreak for Adam Shank, who has his best career finish on the PGA Tour as a solo second, while Taylor Moore, a career changing Sunday at the Copperhead Course to get his first victory. And now the PGA Tour heads to the Lone Star State, Billy Horschel. He's the last man to knock out world number one Scotty Scheffler in the WGC Dell Technologies match play. We're going to hear from the past champ of this event, Horschel, as the PGA Tour's finale is in Austin this week. And when you think Texas, you think of World Golf Hall of Famer Ben Crenshaw. Gentle Ben will join us on golf today. His thoughts on the rollback and the PGA Tour saying so long the match play as golf today starts right now. Golf today. Quite the turn of events during the final round of the Valspar Championship. Taylor Moore clutch. Birdie the 15th. This on the 16th. Grabbed him a share of the lead at 10 under par. That's what he wound up posting with a final round 69 thanks to his spectacular short game. Down the stretch. It's the lowest final round by a Valspar Championship winner since 2018. That 4 under 67 he becomes the sixth player to earn his first tour victory at the Valspar Championship. The final leaderboard from Palm Harbor, Florida. Taylor Moore with that one shot win over Adam Shank, who bogeyed the last. Tommy Fleetwood, Jordan Spieth with the share of third at eight under par. Sam Burns, who'd won the previous two, wound up in solo six. With that, hello and welcome inside our Golf Channel studios. I'm George Savarikis, pleased to be sitting alongside Golf Week columnist Eamon Lynch for this two hour edition of Golf Today. We have so much to get to. We're getting spoiled, and we are lucky to get to spend some time later in the show with World Golf Hall of Famer. Ben Crenshaw with Kevin Kisner, past champion of the match play in Austin. Don't as forget well. Billy Ho. He's going to be upset if you forget him. As well as Billy Horschel. Didn't forget him. But before we spin it forward, let's look in our rearview mirror at the Valspar Championship. That was phenomenal theater, the, that final nine at the Copperhead course. It's, it's this kind of kings and cobblers dynamic that we've seen a lot of in, in this five-week Florida swing. And it's perfect bookend. I guess you had three designated events that provided great theater of their own and the two that weren't, which were Honda and Valspar, seemed to add a certain drama down the stretch as well. So it's all in all, PGA Tour leaves Florida in a pretty good state, I would say. Yeah, I think each and every week just seemed to be building on itself with the Florida swing. And at the Valspar Championship, you had four players at one point had a share of the lead. Tommy Fleetwood, Adam Shank. It seemed like Jordan Spieth. He went full Spieth mode with that bogey on 16 and then stuffs it on 17. You think, okay, it's going to happen for Spieth. And part of the beauty of these full field events on the PGA Tour is you could have a supporting actor waiting in the wings that you didn't see coming. And that would be Taylor Moore just posting a number and letting the rest of the field recede. And that's the way he's able to get his first win on the PGA Tour. Now we'll move forward to the Lone Star State. Since 2016, Austin Country Club's been the host of the WGC Dell Technologies match play. It's been such a perfect fit for this event. It's a great match play course, big name winners, and now we're setting the field for the final time in Austin. So let's get to the 64-man group play bracket. Drum roll, please, without further ado. Taking a look at group one, Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim, Alex Noren, Davis Riley, group number two. This is a good one, Eamon. John Rahm, 
Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, and Ricky Fowler. A lot of firepower in that group. Group number three, Rory McIlroy, Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, Scott Stallings, and in group four, Patrick Cantley, Brian Harmon, K.H. Lee, and Nick Taylor. Let's get to our next set. We're going to rip through these, and we'll be in deeper analysis throughout the show on Golf Today. Group five, another one I had my eye on, Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, who we're going to chat with, and Justin Suh, who's had a great Florida swing. Group six, Sanders Shoffley, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, Cam Davis. Group seven, Will Zalatoris, Ryan Fox, Harris English, Andrew Putnam. And group number eight, Victor Hovland, Chris Kirk, the one at the Honda Classic, Siwoo Kim, and Matt Kuchar. Uh, group number nine is one, Eamon, that you were looking at. Yeah, Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, who's in form, Adam Svensson, and Victor Perez, who was a winner in Abu Dhabi earlier this year. Group number 10, Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama, Adrian Moronk, Christian Bazeno. Group 11, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sahith Bagala, Minwoo Lee, and JJ Spawn. And group 12, Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry, Taylor Montgomery, Mackenzie Hughes. The final panel, group number 13. Sam Burns trending in the right direction after last week at Palm Harbor, Florida. Seamus Power, Adam Scott, and Adam Hadwin. Group 14, Tyrrell Hatton, the top seed there. Russell Henley, Lucas Herbert, Ben Griffin. Group 15, Cameron Young. We have some news on him coming up on golf today. Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, Davis Thompson. And Group 16, to pay it off, Sunjay M, Tommy Fleetwood, JT Poston, and Maverick McNeely. So with more, let's turn our attention to Todd Lewis, who's covering this week's PGA Tour stop in Austin, Texas. Todd, which group stands out to you now that we've gone through all 64 players in the field? Well, George, I'm going to get to that moment. Uh, I've been to every WGC Dell Technologies match play since it's been here in Austin, and this is the seventh and final time that we're going to have this event here in Austin. We're going to miss the Pennybacker Bridge and right here by Lake Austin and, and some exciting holes on this golf course at Austin Country Club as well. This is the par 413th that's reachable. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of electricity on this hole as well. But getting back to what you originally asked me, which group am I looking forward to watching? I like that second group, John Rahm. First, John Rahm is John Rahm. He's a great player. He's played beautifully in 2023. The only thing that slowed him down is a stomach bug at the players. Billy Horschel won this event two years ago. Keith Mitchell has been playing well. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was in contention at Riviera in the Genesis Invitational. And then there's Ricky Fowler, a resurgent Ricky Fowler, who's playing in this championship for the first time since 2016. He's back to working with Butch Harmon. He's established some more confidence in his game. We're going to find out where Ricky Fowler is with his game in that first match on Wednesday when John Rahm right here at Austin Country Club. So I like that second group a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Todd, Rory McIlroy's headlining Group 3 this week in Austin. The last time we saw him, he missed the cut of the players, seemed fairly frustrated with his driver. Is there any update on that front? You know, it's interesting. Right after his disappointing missed cut at the players, and he was very frustrated and unhappy with the way he was driving the ball, he went to Augusta National for two days of practice rounds, and according to folks that were with him, he drove the ball beautifully there. So he kind of reestablished some confidence with the driver at Augusta National. Look, when you play the stadium course at Sawgrass, it can kind of get tight on you. Um, the rust's not super, super high and dense. It's not like a U.S. Open, but there's lots of water, and it can – and it can really give you some insecurities off the tee. And I think that's what was happening with Rory. He did work with his manufacturer over the weekend. He's keeping the same head as far as his driver goes. 
don't be surprised if he has a shorter shaft, a, a shorter length shaft driver, which will give him a little more accuracy. But I wouldn't be too concerned if you're a Roy McIlroy fan uh, about where he is with his driver. Todd, as you look at this year's field, some rookie names you may not be as familiar with if you're the average PGA Tour fan. What do you make of the level of experience out in Austin this week? You know, we, we're, we're diving into that, and this may be the most inexperienced match play field in the history of this championship, not counting the very first one, of course, and mainly because a lot of players that played in this championship, some really strong players, have now moved on to live. Uh, so you've got, you got rookies in this field. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about PGA Tour rookies, not just rookies playing in this for the first time. So there's not a lot of experience. Not as much experience, I should say, as we have seen in years past. Now, last year, eight of the top 16 seeds made it out of pool play. Because there isn't that much depth as far as experience goes here, you, you kind of think chalk is going to get through pool play as well. Look for a lot of the top seeds to make it out of, of pool competition and, and make it to uh, the weekend to play for this championship. Todd, could be helpful, though, for some of these young guys who are just playing match play in college. Now they're PGA Tour sure. rookies and have some familiarity with the format, obviously, from their amateur careers. Well, you can, yes, you can say that, but you could also say that the, the top players are, are better players. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it, it's, it, it, but, I, I mean, I love this event. I think it's a lot of fun. You may have, you know, from a, if you look at a PGA Tour schedule, outside maybe the major championships and the players, of course, those first two, maybe three days of competition, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, are some of the most exciting weekday uh, events at golf. Well, the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, Cameron Young, is making some news already on Monday with a new caddy, and it sounds like it's a pretty familiar old face. Yeah, you know, we, we just found this news out about a half hour ago. Webb Simpson uh, just announced on social media that he and his longtime caddy and really good friend, Paul Tesori, have decided to mutually part ways. Now, these two have been together for more than a dozen years. Paul was on the bag when Webb won the U.S. Open back in 2012. When he won the players in 2018. He served as his swing coach in a lot of areas as well. Um, so this is a bit of a surprise. Webb Simpson and Paul Tesori have decided to part ways, especially Webb played really well at the Valspar Championship over the weekend. But that has happened. Uh, it seems to be amicable. Uh, no, you know, no problems there. They're still going to remain friends. Uh, but now Paul Tesori has a new bag in Cameron Young, who, of course, is the rookie of the year last year and a rising player on the PGA Tour. So that duo, it, we, we, I was talking with our producers, that may be the longest-running caddy-player relationship out on the PGA Tour. Until now, that is ended. Todd, level of surprise to the news. Um... Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised because uh, you know I'm friends with both of them as well, uh, they, and I see how tight they are. They hang out together all the time. I've never seen them, even if there is some conflict, and you're always going to have conflict between a player and caddy. It never is, you know, it it never gets to a point where it's too frictional. Um, they they just seem like they're great great friends, and I and I, they will remain great friends. But it's a it's a surprise to see these two split up but you know it happens out here they've been together for over 12 years so they've had a great run yeah it's it's a good run for sure we're gonna have more with todd lewis later on golf today yeah. let's get you to the uh, format 
for those scoring at home for the WGC Dell Technologies match play a group play is Wednesday through Friday you see 32 matches each day then starting Saturday morning single elimination as the top 16 advance that's eight matches quarterfinals Saturday afternoon four matches eight players a quote elite eight and the semifinal Sunday morning you have four players and then it's the championship match. All right, let's uh, start with you now. We've gone through all the brackets. Um, let's start there before we get into the, the caddy change and the Paul Tesori news. Uh, you said Group 9, you have some intrigue. Is there another group that people at home should hey, say, hey, these storylines are pretty compelling? There are a few interesting groups out here when you look at the bracketology. Take uh, Group 6, for example, Xander Shoffley. Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, Cam Davis. Aaron Wise hasn't been playing particularly well of lately, but Tom Hoagie's coming off a tie for third at the Players a couple of weeks ago, and Cam Davis was also in contention at the Players. He finished tied sixth that week. And another group that's got some interesting storylines, the Tony Finau group, Group 10. He's up against Kurt Kitayama, who just won at Bay Hill two weeks ago. Uh, Adrian Moronk, who won twice on the European Tour last year, seems a, a potential Ryder Cup player for Europe this year. And Christian de Bezadenhout, who's also, he was top 15 at the player. So there's a lot of groups where guys are in form. And other ones, actually, Group 16, where Sung Jm is a number one seed. But there are two guys who were in contention to win yesterday in that group, in Tommy Fleetwood and JT Poston. And Mav McNeely, who's been somewhat up and down this year. But there's a lot of churn potential in these groups. I know Todd said we're expecting a lot of top seeds to move out. I think there's a lot of potential for upsets as well. Really? That's, well, I guess generally a match play, we see some, but the, ever since it switched to the group format, I've been covering, covering match play since it was back in Tucson. I was working there as a local sports anchor in 2010. When it was knockout, you would see volatility to the extreme. Just And the, the caliber of winners you would have, sometimes you'd get a very high caliber player, but it seems like now with group play, over three days, the cream more often than not, will rise to the top, and that's why we've seen, say, Scotty Scheffler's defending champion, and he's world number one. So you're starting to see a caliber of player that syncs up with uh, what the PGA Tour would want to see in a WGC, and it makes sense why they went to the group play format because it had this weird energy to it where Wednesday was the best day, and then you would lack buzz by the weekend, but now with group play, you, you ensure that the players playing best over the three days will then carry that into the weekend. But even since they went to group play, the most number of number one seeds that have ever emerged out of group play is eight. So half of the top seeds are going home every year, regardless on average here. Mm -hmm. Most years, it seems to be around the five or six mark. Eight has been the maximum. So there's every possibility, if that trend continues, that half of these top guys won't be in business come the weekend. So I'm fascinated. I mentioned group number two. Obviously, we'll see if John Rahm kicks the stomach bug. He's trying to become the first player since David Duval in 1999 to win four times before the heck Masters. of a stomach bug if he hasn't kicked it by now, John. <laughs> well, you would think. You never know. <laughs> but, I mean, if he's, able, if he's able to win, then that would be – then the hype machine for John Rahm would once again reach its apex. If Scotty Scheffler wins, then he's on the same pace that he was last year where this was his third win in his march to the Masters and this at the WGC Dell Technologies match play got him to world number one. The group that I'm fascinated by is you take these guys – who are the top caliber players in the world, but then you also have guys who are, quote, match play wizards or ninjas, and Kevin Kisner perfectly falls into that category. So with him 
Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama, and Justin Suh is playing great. Group number five, I think it's going to be a tremendous watch. And that Ram group that you mentioned, he's got some firepower to deal with there as well. Billy Horschel, who's won this tournament, Ricky Fowler, who's starting to find his game again, and Keith Mitchell, who's also played reasonably well lately as well. He's a fairly solid competitor. Ram does not have an easy path out of group play at all. And Keith's not exactly a guy to get intimidated by someone inside the ropes. So I think it'll be fun to see how competitive these guys are and and maybe we'll see an upset emerge like Eamon Lynch is forecasting. <laughs> so straight ahead, he won 19 times on the PGA Tour twice. We saw him slip on the green jacket and brought some national titles. Uh, Ryder Cup victory in 99. World Golf Hall of Famer Ben Crenshaw will be with us next as Golf, golf Today continues on a Monday. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Back and better than ever on golf today. How about this? A little flashback. Ben Crenshaw, Tom Kite. Teammates, University of Texas more than 50 years ago. Ben Crenshaw, born and raised in Austin, Texas, played golf, attended Austin High School, was a medalist in 71 and 73, and co-medalist in 1972 with Tom Kite, and he helped lead the Longhorns to team championships twice while he was in school, first team All-American from 71 to 73. Who could forget? The two times Ben Crenshaw slipped on the green jacket. First one in 1984, and then the second, his final PGA Tour victory, the 1995 Masters. We're pleased to welcome in the Hall of Famer and the man who gets my vote as the best player turned architect in this game, Ben Crenshaw. Ben, thanks for joining us. It's a hometown game this week with the PGA Tour in Austin. What does the match play mean to your hometown, and what will it mean if it goes away? Oh, Eamon, uh, <clears throat> it's been such a popular event here. It's been so well-received around here. Austin Country Club is a, is a wonderful test. I know that, you know, so many of you and so many other people have, have remarked that it's a great match play course. There's a lot of liberties you can take on the golf course. Um, yeah, some daring shots. There's a lot of water. It's, it's, a lot, it's very thrilling for the gallery. Um, I think that it's sort of cut its own niche because uh, in match play, uh, we've had various match play tournaments over the over the decades on the PGA Tour, but this one has an added bonus that people get to watch 
some more days of play. In other words, it's not a single knockout uh, that it used to be. I can remember uh, one of the tournaments, uh, Jim Thorpe knocked me out in the first round, and that was it. I had to go home. But, you know, you, there's still uh, a lot of golf to be played. I, I just think it's terrific. These guys really seem to enjoy playing this golf course. It's a little sad that it's going away because Austin's a great place. A lot of the golfers had never been to Austin. I think it sort of fascinates them to, they've read about it and learned about it over the years and it's a popular place. Um, so, you know, the weather's a little chilly right now, but it's going to improve. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun, fun week to, and I, I tell you what, I, to watch these guys play these days, some people have not heard of some of these golfers who are just, I can't get over their talent level. The, the competitiveness and the really fine golf that I see, and for people to watch them up close, I think is a great bonus. So we are sad that, that it's going away. Yeah, it's going to be a great watch this week. It's one of my favorite events year in and year out on the PGA Tour. Definitely sad it's the finale, at least with match play for now, uh, according to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. Ben, you have a very unique vantage point in the sense you're a World Golf Hall of Famer, and then your second act is a golf course architect, almost equally as decorated, with the proposed model local rule from the USGA and RNA to roll back the ball in 2026. Do you think that is good for the game going forward? Uh, this has been brewing for a good while. Um, I think that it seems to me like some of the younger players maybe not or not are going to enjoy that. But some of the older uh, players that, uh, as Harvey Penick used to say, more seasoned players may like it. I, you know, it's still, if the ball doesn't go, uh, if it goes 15 or 20 yards shorter, I think that still the long hitters are still going to have the advantage. Um, it's a it's a it's a different test. I have never seen the ball travel as far as it's traveling now. But you you have different dimensions. Yes, the golf ball. Yes, the golf clubs. But you have superior athletes. Uh, you know, everybody is training. Uh, everybody's in great shape um, and everybody's looking for speed uh, and it's evident. Uh, it's, it's almost unfathomable to me as a, as a longtime player to see that uh, almost half of the golfers can carry the ball 300 yards. It's just, I never thought that I would see that. Um, I, I am somewhat of a traditionalist in that I think some of the, the older, more uh, heralded golf courses in the world uh, are becoming slightly obsolete. Now, I don't like to see that. I'm very much a traditionalist. So uh, I I think it's one of the things, if it, if it comes about in a year and a half or two years, that people will get used to it. Uh, it's still a game where the straightest players will excel, the longer players making good decisions, good iron shots, good approach play, and the short game is always going to be 
the great equaliser. And we hear a lot of players talk about the need perhaps for the USGA and the RNA to look not just at golf balls, but perhaps at golf clubs as well. Do you think skills are tested as comprehensively now at the elite level of golf as they were when you were playing in terms of uh, you know, strategy for one, but also, for instance, long irons, which seem to be a, a dying art on tour these days? Well, you're right, Eamon. Uh, you know, as, as you know so well, through the decades, there were different groups that, that had their own tests uh, and their, their own ways of, of testing not only the golf ball, but the, but the club face um, and the components with which the ball is hit. Um, and it just, to me, it, it's almost like in the hands of these wonderful athletes, uh, the golf ball and the, and the golf club is, is made for speed. It's very conducive to uh, producing these unbelievable results. Uh, so, I, you know, it's very hard to, to fathom a, ball, a golf ball can be propelled any further. Uh, it's, it's very, very, you know, as you know, the coefficient of restitution is right there. I mean, the faces are scrutinized, uh, to an nth degree. Um, so I don't know. I really think that, uh, I think it's the kind of thing, if it's slightly rolled back, I think people will get used to it. You know, the best players are going to win. Ben, in talking with USGA CEO Mike Wan last week, one of the big elements he was pushing with this proposal was sustainability from a golf course standpoint, just saying a lot of these historic courses, like you were saying, are just spatially constrained. They don't have the capacity to try and extend to keep up with the incremental increases that the modern game has seen. One course that did make a noticeable change and one that you're very familiar with at Augusta National with the extension to the 13th hole. What do you think of the changes that Augusta has made prior to this year's Masters? Uh, George, I actually was there last week. I went with uh, two groups to play. I must say, I walked back there on number 13. First of all, it's a chore to get there because it's way up. It's got a, it's, it's a, I think it's 30 feet higher, uh, but it's way back there. But the fact that it's a, it's an elevated tee even more makes it more inviting. Uh, they did, a, I think, a wonderful job of, of calculating how far this ball is going to go. And the, here's the thing to me. Um, the golfers are going to have to resist the temptation to try to turn that ball around the corner, which is the magnet. Uh, you know, the, the, trying to get around that uh, corner is, is, is way out there. I think... Um, the longest players are going to have to resist that temptation. It's all laid out there, though, and, and I think it's very much a modern move. You know, they do things so so well there. They study and study and study, and then they, they, they make it happen. Uh, I, I'd, I'd say when you see it, when you see the, the, the hole on TV, when they put the camera back there, you'll see how inviting that shot looks because of of the of, of its altitude, but uh, uh, I can remember decades, decades ago that 
you really wanted to try to turn that ball over and get it around the corner. It's a daring shot. You know, that's that's the what it's what Dr. McKenzie had in mind and Bobby Jones uh, when they talked about some of the par fives there being four and a half uh, instead of par fives. But the temptation will be there. Let's see how they, they do it this year. But I think they've made the right move. There's no doubt. Ben, you're one of a very select group who knows where he's eating dinner Tuesday night of the Masters every year, which is probably the most elite group in this game. There's a lot of water under the bridge since the last Champions Dinner at Augusta. A lot of comments have been made in public from different people who'd be there. Do you sense it's going to be any different this year, the mood, or what are you anticipating? Uh, I, I really think that certainly my emphasis is, is, is to honor uh, Scotty Scheffler, the champion. And, you know, each year that we, we we honor the champion, it's his dinner, his menu. Wow, that's a, an eclectic menu, too, a little bit of everything. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Scotty this week in Austin. I'm going to have a word with him. Uh, first of all, to congratulate him on his unbelievable play. Gosh, can't tell you how, how much fun it's been watching. But, you know, we're all champions in that room. Uh, if I'm last count, I think there's seven players that uh, have joined Live. Uh, but I'm, my emphasis is, is going to be on, look, everyone's together in this room. Everybody fought really hard to get in this room. Uh, we should all uh, be happy that we're together. Uh, you know, people make choices in life. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm very old fashioned. I, I'm, I don't really particularly like what's going on. I think the worst thing to me is it's fractured some relationships from player to player. Golf has really never been that way. Golf is a very uh, traditional game. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I really don't anticipate uh, so much animosity. It's going to be difficult. Uh, I know some players have it's probably going to be tense in a few moments, I suppose. But I don't know. I don't know where this thing is going anyway. But it's it's uh, to my mind, it's a little bit disruptive. Uh, I, I'm as I say, I'm very much a traditionalist, and uh, I've I really, you know, some of the players too I've, have have said too. Look, I, all these guys, regardless of what choice they made, are still going to be my friends. I applaud that. I think that's the way we ought to keep going. Well, certainly uh, something to look for Tuesday of Masters Week. Ben, thanks for being so generous with your time here on Golf Today. You're welcome. It's going to be a fun week. Well, our next guest here on Golf Today, certainly no wallflower when it comes to speaking his mind. That's why we enjoy having him on, Billy Horschel. He won the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play in 2021. He's going to be here right after this break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Let's flash back to 2021 at Austin Country Club. Billy Horschel outlasting Scotty Scheffler in the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship Showdown. Horschel taking the title 2-1 for his sixth career PGA Tour victory. Horschel also won six, seven matches over 122 holes to get the victory. His career record, as you see in the WGC Dell Technologies match play, 13-7-2. Billy Ho, pretty fearsome when it comes to match play. His group, group number two, that was one of two that I said to watch. John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, and Ricky Fowler round out that foursome. And it's time now for a past champs chat. And for that, we welcome in Billy Horschel. Billy, just showed your group a bunch of layups, it looks like, out of those four. Yeah, I mean, I should get through pretty easily. Uh, so I'm excited that I'll be playing on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you see that, I mean, as a competitor, you're like, all right, bring it on. Initially, you're like, oh, man, I got to deal with, with these guys. What's the thought process? Listen, I mean, we all have those thoughts that we wish we would have maybe uh, maybe some easier opponents, some guys that aren't playing well. But, um, you know, John Rahm's been playing unbelievable. We all know that. Keith's had a great start to the year, and Ricky's uh, shown some form. So I think it's, um, it's one of those things where if you play well, you're able to beat those guys and get through your group. Uh, it just gives you a lot more confidence going into the weekend and, and carry that confidence on to the rest of the year. Billy, are you a fan of pool play or... Did you prefer it in the win-or-go-home stage that it used to be when it was simply win on Wednesday or if you didn't win on Wednesday, your week was done? Yeah, I, you know, I played, I think, one or two years in the old format, you know, win and you move on or lose and you're out. Um, and I didn't mind it, but I think the pool play is a little bit better. Um, it allows you three rounds, three opportunities. And also when we think about the fans for, for them, it allows them to come out and make sure that they're going to get to see uh, – all the players play um, at least one of the days. Yeah, I think the overall fan experience Wednesday through Friday better when you look in totality, but the knockout Wednesday used to be fun back in the day. What is it about your personality and your game where we tend to see the best version of Billy Horschel playing match play? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, as most people know, I'm a grinder. I don't give in a lot. Uh, I fight on every shot. I've never been a guy who has maybe a, a repetition, a repetition of throwing in the towel. That's not me. Uh, so it, I just fight every shot, fight every hole, and I think that's why it's uh, I've been successful. And 
I think it's another thing is, is being a great putter inside 10 feet um, is a massive advantage in match play. Billy, if the match play goes away in its current form, would you be sad to see that? And do you think there is a place for a match play event, even if it's something like the European Tour did at Wentworth for years, where it was an eight or 16 man field, but that match play ought to be on the calendar somewhere? I, I, am, I am sad that this uh, event, as of right now, is going to go away. And uh, I agree with you. Um, I think uh, we need to have match play. And um, I was a big fan of the world match play over in Wentworth on the European Tour. I think it was a great, uh, a great tournament, a great roster of players, and, and the who's who have, have won that event over the years. So um, hopefully someone comes into the game, um, preferably the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour, uh, and creates a match play uh, tournament again. Uh, and, and hopefully it's more of a world match play. I would like to see it maybe move around a couple times, um, you know, throughout the years instead of being at one place. You know, keep it here in the States, move it over to, uh, to Europe, maybe over the Wentworth, somewhere over there would be, be uh, you know, where, what I would want to see. Billy, as an amateur, you were part of U.S. team competitions. It's crazy. I was looking at your career bio. You haven't been on a President's Cup or Ryder Cup. You've been close. You've been in the conversation how big of a motivator is that, or is that something that you just have to let your game play well and at the end of the season see if you're, you're in the mix and then it becomes more of a focus? Well, I was fortunate enough to make a President's Cup team last year finally. Apologies. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, no worries. No worries, George. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, in amateur golf, I played in the War Cup. I played the Parma Cup. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play on those teams, and, and last year was finally nice to finally be a part of a team, the President's Cup team. But, you know, I'd be lying to say that um, the Ryder Cup's not the one I really want to be on. The Ryder Cup's where I want to play. The Ryder Cup has always been the one that uh, I want to be a part of. And, and I've sort of always wanted to be a part of a Ryder Cup team that's overseas. I, there's something about going away from home and competing and sort of um, not having the full support of the crowd. Uh, that's always um, sort of stoked the fire a little bit. And then... I think at the same time, the support I've had from the U.K. fans, from the European fans over the last couple of years of going over there to play uh, has been tremendous, and I appreciate that. So maybe they wouldn't give me too much of a hard time um, uh, across the pond. You are one of the few Americans that have consistently traveled over to Europe to play on, on DP World Tour events. You don't see many modern-day pros take that on as much as you have. Yeah, and, you know, to tell you what, I wish I would have done it more early in my career. I talked about it, um, but to tell you the truth, I really didn't make that much of a strive to, to get over there. Uh, I think the reason why I have such a fatuation with um, the European Tour and getting over there to play, um, as I said, I grew up watching the European Tour uh, on the Golf Channel early in the mornings, watching tournaments like the BMW PGA, watching the Kranz Montana, watching the Valderrama Masters. Uh, those events have always... Uh, you know, held a special place in my heart. And, and I think uh, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, I need to do a better job. I'm sort of, um, I want to stay on my last leg, but I'm sort of getting towards the end of my career. I need to take advantage of getting over there. And, and I'm happy I've done that. I've enjoyed going over there to play. And, and I look forward to getting over there more this, uh, this fall with this new schedule on the PJ Tour. It does open up doors to, to play more in the fall and not have to worry about the FedEx Cup in the fall. Billy, last week, obviously, the USGA and RA announced limits, potential limits, to how far the golf ball will fly. And after that news came out, you were quoted as saying that you felt that solid ball striking was a less valuable skill these days on the PGA Tour, or, or, or it's tested less often. What did you mean by that, and how would you fix that if it is a problem? 
Yeah, so I think um, skill, uh, the skill level in golf that you have to have, every skill to be competitive and be at the highest level is, is such a, a tough thing to have. And I think the one skill that's been diminished a little bit, but it's been great because it's allowed so many more people to enjoy the game of golf. But at the professional level, um, the, the ability to hit the ball in the center of the face uh, more often, we can get away with that. With a bigger driver, the bigger sweet spots on the irons and everything, being able to hit the sweet spot uh, on a more regular basis uh, has been diminished a little bit. And that's just a fact. And that's technology and improvement over time. And I think if there was a way that we could improve that uh, out here on the PJ Tour, make it a little bit tougher, uh, you know, make that sweet spot a little bit smaller would be something that I'd be in favor for. And the one example I give is, you know, I use a tireless driver and the face is black and you can see my T marks on it and they're very narrow in the sense of where they all are, very small little dispersion. And, you know, I see other guys' T marks on there and, and, and their dispersion of T marks on the face is all over the face. And so, um, yes, do I, do I like it when I do miss hit it and don't hit the center of the face? Do I get rewarded for that? Yes, but uh, I think uh, for me it's uh, – it's one of those things I think if anything's been diminished over the years and sense of uh, skill level, it's just the ability to hit the sweet spot. You can get away with it a little more often. Billy, we just had Ben Crenshaw on. He's talking specifically about the Champions Dinner at Augusta in a couple of weeks and how these guys are there to pay tribute to Scotty Scheffler. So he doesn't expect any kind of antagonistic vibe. Might be a different story around the golf course or in the locker room. You've been one of the more outspoken guys on the subject of live publicly what are you anticipating the vibes going to be like you know that's a great question uh i i feel like uh what i've said i haven't really attacked any players i mean i've called some players out um for just some comments that um some hypocrisy and, and some lies that they stated when they left i'm just not a big fan of when you're leaving you know throwing mud as you as you walk out the door uh but I have a great relationship with a lot of those guys, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, uh, Richard Bland. A lot of those guys I still stay in contact with regularly, still talk to a lot. Um, so for me, I'm not going to have any issues with any of those guys. Um, you know, it would be them if they have an issue. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think we're all respectful. I think some guys, like I said, as over the years or over the last few months, uh, certain guys out here on tour have taken it harder and are a little bit more um, – you know, hurt by guys leaving certain things. But, you know, for me, I, I said I'm happy that those guys made a decision that rewards them financially. Um, and as I said, the only thing I was, you know, um, wasn't happy about is, is when they left, they said some things that uh, was untruthful about the PJ Tour and, and they were throwing mud as they walked out the door, which I just, just don't agree with. Is it kind of surreal how the last 12 months have unfolded in the sense that the pace at which the PGA Tour is now implemented all these changes. I remember you and I talking at Honda last year, and this was just starting to bubble up. But now the tour has completely revamped the look, the product, and what things are going to resemble going forward. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see the the tour, um, you know, make these changes so fast. Uh, a lot of players had uh, involvement in it, and. As I've said, I mean, if it wasn't for Liv, it wouldn't uh, – I don't think these changes would have happened as quickly as they've had. Um, I said it in Scotland uh, when I first talked about it, competition's great. It makes everyone improve and get better. And, and the PJ Tour hasn't had any competition over the last couple decades. And, um, you know, I think a lot of players have, have tried to individually bring things to the PJ Tour um, over my 14 years on the PJ Tour of, of, of how, the way, how to make things better on the PJ Tour. But – 
Um, Liv has finally brought, i got to give him credit, Liv brought the top players together, and i got to give credit to the PGA Tour to seeing um, that uh, there was a better way, a better product that uh, the players you know, thought could work, and, and the PGA Tour and some of the top players worked hand-in-hand to, to make this product we're going to see in 24, which is going to be exciting. I think it... Um, it allows everyone to, to reap the rewards. If you play well, you're going to get the benefits. If you don't play well, as we all know in the game of golf, you don't get anything. Well, Billy, on our side of the aisle, thanks for always being forthcoming with your, your thoughts on the topic matter. And got to say, of course, uh, got to pump the chest a little for Billy Horschel, of course, part of the U.S. winning President's Cup team last year at Quail Hollow. Play well this week, Billy. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, when golf today rolls on, we're taking a closer look at the newest winner on the PGA Tour, Taylor Moore. What made the difference for Taylor on Sunday to get into the winner's circle? Then answer just around the corner. Taylor Moore celebrating his first win on the PGA Tour. Look at the players to get their first victory at the Valspar Championship. Most recently, Oh, yeah, that was Sam Burns, who was the two-time defending champion coming into this week. Burns got his first win there. Then he had three wins last season as Moore becomes the sixth player to join this list. Let's hear from the champ. I was really just trying to focus on me and, you know, my conversations with my caddy and what I was doing. And um, I might have been under the radar, you know, to, to some people watching, but I felt like I was in the golf tournament from the time I teed off today and was uh, just excited to control what I could control and, and get it done. And what was the biggest difference today? Um, I think just just really having the, the self-belief deep down. You know, I've, I've won at the college level. I won on Corn Ferry. And, you know, I think when, when I get myself comfortable and handle my emotions and, and get into to my space, you know, where I'm, I'm really calm, I can, I can play, play at the highest level and compete, and I thought I did a really good job of that today. Moore wins the 22nd edition of the Valspar Championship, the final leaderboard as we close out our swing through the Sunshine State. Adam Shank, that solo second. Tommy Fleetwood and Jordan Spieth matching 70s, so they were T3. Wyndham Clark, a 70 as well, was solo fifth. Let's hear from some of the contenders who came up a bit short on Sunday. I didn't feel Friday on. I had my best stuff um, and really felt like I held in there. And um, today, you know, I had a couple chances where uh, where I maybe could have taken advantage early in the round and separated a little bit. But it was only two bad swings, and um, and one of them just happened to be on 16 that really hurt me. Uh, and then had to give it a go on 18. So it was a, I actually I was in a really good frame of mind. I had a lot, actually had a lot of fun today, um, which was really enjoyable. It was fun having putts to tie the lead. It was, you know, he was made a bomb on 12 and the place went nuts. And I'm like, I'll step up and make it on top. Same on number nine. And um, so I kind of really enjoyed the whole process today. I was in a way better state than I was yesterday. And um, there's a lot of positive to take from that for sure. Hooked it on the last hole, just hit a terrible drive. Worst one of the week. Bad time for that to happen. Um, got up against the tree, hit a nice shot left-handed. I'm like, I could hit the tree or get it out in the rough like I did, fortunate, and then the putt. Just a last-second hope, and then it looked like it may go in and then hit the pin and then bounced off. Um, but, yeah, like you said, great week overall. 
just things to get that close and not be able to finish it off. I knew I had to party getting a playoff or birdie for a win. Just not to be able to, to do that, to give myself a chance, uh, it stinks. Proud of how David and I completed our process. David, um, David did great. We read the greens, amazing. I made enough putts to win today. I just didn't quite hit it good enough to win today. Um, you know, you need some luck to win, and I had some luck and made some long putts. I guess I just needed to be a little better, um, but I'll learn from it and get better from it. It is time now for winners who didn't win. Eamon, let's put you first on the tee. Who is your winner who didn't win at the Valspar Championship? It's very tempting to pick one Englishman and Tommy Fleetwood, who went over 112 now on the PGA Tour, but he cleared $15 million in earnings for not winning. But I'd go for the other Englishman here, Matt Wallace, who his reputation took a little bit of a hit with the explosive conversation he had with his caddy on Saturday. I thought it was a curious choice given the headlines that he was making over the weekend. It was, but you have to look at... He's one of those guys who's caught in something of a vice grip here. He's a guy who typically would have played a lot more in Europe, but he can't do that anymore because we're going from 125 to 70 in, in terms of guys who will keep their cards, a full playing status on the tour next year. And heading into this week, he was 152nd in FedEx Cup points. He's 108th coming out of it. So he's gotten exponentially closer to that top 70 that he really needed. And this was his first top 10 finish since last summer at the Rocket Mortgage. He hasn't finished in the top 10 anywhere since last summer in, in Switzerland. And he's not going to be making any return trips to Europe this summer other than tr perhaps to play the Open and the Genesis Scottish Open because he doesn't have the wiggle room in terms of needing to play well consistently week in, week out to keep that top 70 spot. So for a guy like Matt Wallace to finish tight seventh as he did this week was much more significant than it might actually appear. Yeah, it was a big week for him for sure. The, the winner who didn't win, in my opinion, the guy we had just heard from, Adam Shank. Usually you see someone trying to close out their first win on the PGA Tour and if they come up short, then generally they're they're leaking oil. They you don't want to say they necessarily choke, but sometimes they they get overwhelmed by the moment. Adam Shake did not look overwhelmed by the moment whatsoever. It just seemed like a very poor break on the 18th that didn't hit someone in the gallery or give him an opportunity to make par. He made big putt after big putt on Sunday. He said, you need to get the breaks to win. Completely agree. A couple breaks go his way he could have been the guy either in a playoff or ultimately winning the Valspar championship so I think his to wake takeaway is that he should stand tall and walk proud with what he did over those 72 holes in Palm Harbor Florida because I think the next time he's in contention he's going to harken back to the feels that he had inside the ropes being in that position and I think he has a game that seems like it's prime now for the next time he's in contention to potentially have his breakthrough moment. And he deserves some kudos for how well he played, given it was his 10th consecutive event. <laughs> he's trying to bank as many FedEx Cup points, which is the only currency that really matters out there for these guys. Trying to bank as many as he can. His first kid is due next month. He's going to be taking some time off. So to play that well, 10 weeks in in a row, that's pretty impressive. He's basically the Cal Ripken now of the PGA Tour with 10 straight events. All right, ahead in the show, it's the longest week in golf. The WGC Dell Technologies match play. 64 players will put the peg in the ground beginning on Wednesday. Next, we're looking at all 16 groups. That's on the other side of the short break as you're watching Golf Today.
Golf today rolling right along this Monday as the tour heads to Austin, Texas for the WGC Dell Technologies match play. The 64-player field will take on Austin Country Club coverage beginning 2 Eastern on Golf Channel. That starts on Wednesday. If you look back last year as Scotty Scheffler got the job done taking on Kevin Kisner in the championship match. This was his third win in the span of six weeks. The win moved Scheffler to number one in the world golf rankings after taking down Kiz four and three, getting the title where he played his college golf at the University of Texas. And the brackets were announced this morning. Scotty Scheffler, <clears throat> excuse me, in group number one with Tom Kim, Alex Knorr, and Davis Riley. Group two, John Rahm, Billy Horschel, a former champion, Keith Mitchell, and Ricky Fowler. Group three, the 2015 winner, Rory McIlroy with Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, and Scott Stallings. Patrick Cantley will go up against Brian Harmon, K.H. Lee, and Nick Taylor in group number four. On to group five, the always hot Max Homa against former Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, got a great record in this event, and Justin So. Group six, Xander Shoffley with Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, and Cam Davis. Group seven, Will Zalatoris with the hot European star Ryan Fox, Harris English, Andrew Putnam round up that group. And number eight, Victor Hovland with Chris Kirk, the Honda Classic champion, Siwoo Kim, and another man with a great record in this event, Matt Kuchar. Motoring right along to groups 9 through 12. Group 9, Colin Morikawa, former world number one, Jason Day, Adam Svensson, a winner earlier this season, and Francis Victor Perez. Group 10, Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama, one at Bay Hill, Adrian Moran, Christian Bezadenhout. Group 11, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sahet Tagala, Minwoo Lee, JJ Spawn, and Group 12, Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry, Taylor Montgomery, Mackenzie Hughes. To groups 13 through 16. Sam Burns, Seamus Power, Adam Scott, Adam Hadwin, couple Adams. Round out group 13, group 14, Tyrrell Hatton, Russell Henley, Lucas Herbert, Ben Griffin, who's had a tremendous rookie season. Group 15, Cameron Young, now with Paul Tesori on the bag, Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, Davis Thompson, and group 16, Sunjay M, Tommy Fleetwood, JT Poston, along with Maverick McNeely. With more, we welcome in once again Todd Lewis from Austin Country Club. Uh, T. Lou, hearing there's a new rule for match play this year. Can you explain? Yeah, yeah, there is a new rule. By the way, all the best players in the world getting ready uh, for practice round today on a cold, chilly day in Austin, Texas. One of the great players is Mackenzie Hughes. Not only is he a great player, but he's also a very smart player. You see, in years past, you were able to go out before competition, before your match, and actually play the course. And McKenzie took advantage of that. Prior to his match, he would walk around, see all the hole locations, and putt to those hole locations prior to his match. Well, you can't do that anymore. The PGA Tour said, no, we're going to put a stop to that. So you're not allowed to go out and play the golf course at any point prior to your match. So the McKenzie Hughes rule is in effect. And by the way, if you go out and do that, you're automatically disqualified from your match. So how about that? Todd, the big news in golf last week was the proposed model local rule from the USGA and RNA that would potentially roll back the golf ball and limit hitting distance. Yep. This is the first time we've seen a lot of these top players since that news come out. What are they saying to you out in Austin? Well, you know, you get a mixed bag, uh, but I would say, and I haven't talked to every player, but a majority of the players are really not comfortable right now with that advice that the USGA and the RNA has given about the local rule. Um, they're still diving deep into it. 
so much so that Jason Gore, whose job essentially is the liaison between the PGA Tour players and commissioner and the commissioner, Jake Monaghan, he's out here to talk to some of these players to kind of get their input on what the tour should do. Now, the tour may actually say, you know, we're not going to go with that local rule. We're going to keep the balls as they are right now. Um, but there's still a lot of discussion time to go. There's two or three years. But um, right now, it's a big topic on this driving range right now about the advice from the USGA and the RNA about that local rule and kind of reserving the ball distance moving forward. Todd, we've talked all season about a resurgent Ricky Fowler. Jason Day, uh, another player who's found form, and he's been uh, ascendant with the, the, the play he's put together since the calendar turned to 2023. Hmm. What did he have to say to you? Yeah, Jason, right now getting ready for his practice round on the range right there, that gold uh, jumper that he has on. I talked to him just a few moments ago. He's very satisfied with where his game is trending, but he's not where he wants to be. Now, if you look at what he has done so far in 2023, he has yet to finish outside the top 20. He's had four top 10 finishes. He and Chris Como have finally put together a swing that not only will help his back, he's had some back issues uh, for quite a while, but also put him in the right spots fundamentally. And he know, he's not searching for his swing, I'll say that. But the thing is, he's not quite playing with freedom. He's not completely confident with those moves. He's he's still thinking about his swing when he goes out and plays. So he, just through reps, uh, constantly working on the game like he's doing right now, going out in competition, he feels like he'll get to that freedom point, but he likes where he's going right now. Let's not forget, he's won this championship twice, including here seven years ago at Austin Country Club. So this may be a big jump for him because he's so comfortable in this format to get a lot of that confidence that he wants, to get some of that freedom that he wants as he tries to get back to one of the top players in the world. He still is. He's inside the top 40 in the official World Golf ranking. He didn't play the Masters last year. He's back to playing at Augusta National this year. But Jason Day is I, – I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make it at least out of group play here this year. Todd, one of the headliners this week, Rory McIlroy. We know that your reporting tentacles spread all the way to Augusta National, where he was practicing last week with Shane Lowry and Tom Brady and a few others. What have you learned in terms of what changes he's going to make going forward? Well, he wasn't, he wasn't fulfilled with his driving at the players. He was very frustrated. He missed the cut, uh, and he voiced his frustration after the second round was completed. He uh, did go to Augusta National, played two days there, and according to people that were with him, he, he drove the ball beautifully there. So what tiny dent in confidence that he uh, had at the players has been fixed. Uh, he feels like he's, he's, he's still hitting the ball off the tee the way he wants to be hitting the ball, although he didn't play that well at Sawgrass. Um, so, and we all know, if Rory drives the ball well, he generally plays well. That's the foundation of his game. Um, he may, don't be surprised, if he shows up here and, with a shorter shaft driver. Still the same head, but a shorter shaft to give him a little more accuracy. He's still tinkering with that. He did work with this manufacturer over the weekend. So we'll find out once Rory arrives here on the grounds exactly what the length of that shaft if, is or if he's made any adjustments at all. Thank you for the update, Todd. Stay warm. All right, look at the format for what we're seeing with the WGC Dell Technologies match play. Remember, it's a Wednesday kickoff. What a treat for PGA Tour fans. 32 matches each day, Wednesday through Friday. 
You get in the fourth round Saturday morning, that single elimination, only 16 advancing into Saturday. Quarterfinal Saturday afternoon, eight players, four matches. Semifinal Sunday morning, four players, two matches, and then you have the championship Sunday afternoon. Well, one guy who'll be sorry to see the last of Austin Country Club is Kevin Kisner. He's won here and been a runner-up twice. He's coming up to talk about the joys of head-to-head -head golf. Stay with us. Take you back to 2019, just one year after losing in the final of the WGC Dell Technologies match play. Kevin Kisner getting his redemption. Kids close it out. Matt Kuchar three and two with that birdie on the 16th green to secure the biggest win of his professional career. The win marked Kisner's third on the PGA Tour following the 2015 RSM Classic and 2017 Colonial. Kisner has since gone on to win at Wyndham as well. So a four-time PGA Tour winner. His match play record uh, ridiculous 22 7 and 1 runner up in 2018 and 2022 as well. A look at his group this week. This is a good one. Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, and Justin Sa. And it is time now for a passes champions chat. We put Kevin Kisner on the hot seat here on Golf Today. Kids, good to see you. Good to see you guys too. You doing all right? All good on our end. I, I know you've been outspoken and you've joked about how certain courses you can't contend. You're just trying to finish T30, T40. Then you come to Austin Country Club. What's the mindset like this week? Well, as bad as I start off the year, I'll take a T30 or 40 about anywhere right now. But uh, just just being able to come back to a familiar place that I've had a lot of success, hopefully can get, uh, get the game back to where I need it, heading into Augusta and and uh, have a chance to survive this group that I think is full of good players. And um, it's, it's a cool vibe to come back to Austin and play a golf course that I love to play. Kevin, you once described the secret to match play as being annoying and getting under the skin of your opponent. Is that the strategy you're going to take into this group that you have this week? Absolutely. Uh, anytime you can get someone thinking about something other than the shot they're going to hit affects their game and helps your game. So... Uh, I hope I, you know, miss the first three greens and chip one in and make two pars and then one up, and that really gets them going. For the viewer at home, aside from your play inside the ropes, how much is there an art to any type of gamesmanship with conceding putts early or, or late when it comes to the mental head games? Uh, you just got to kind of fill it out and, and understand how you're playing and see what their weaknesses and strengths are. Uh, I always have that in the back of your mind, but there's definitely some times where you – you might give one you, you wouldn't normally early in the round just to see how they do later in the round. Uh, very, various different ways to do it from day to day and uh, lo lots, of, lots of thought going into that. Kevin, you've been in three finals here at Austin Country Club. Tiger Woods is the only guy who's been in more finals in this tournament in its history than you have. What is it about Austin Country Club that works so well for you in this format? Well, I love firm, firm and fast conditions, which is what we normally get here. Uh, a lot of runoffs is very similar to uh, Palmetto Golf Club back in Aiken, South Carolina, where I play. And, um, you know, the, the shots around the greens are similar to that. And, and you you got to be in the right quadrant of the greens to have a decent look at birdie, which I think is uh, a huge uh, advantage for me from, from playing at Palmetto so much. Kiz, this event has been an annual annuity for you since it moved to Austin Country Club. You're on the board the last three years, and Commissioner Jay Monahan saying 
This is going to be the finale of match play with the WGC Dell Technologies match play. How could you let that happen? Trust me, I didn't want to. I, I was adamant the other way. You got, you're not supposed to be biased on that board, but I felt pretty biased when it came to that. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about taking up a lawsuit against Jay or something like that. Everybody else is. <laughs> Where is your game heading into the, the week, Kevin? Because your results lately haven't been what you're accustomed to. Is a break from the stroke play format kind of something that you might enjoy at this stage? Yeah, I'm hoping to. I've made more bogeys, I think, this year than I have in a couple of years. So uh, hopefully those go away and more birdies on the card. Um, you know, working on a few swing changes. So trying to get more comfortable with that <laughs> under uh, competition. And, and I felt like I did on Friday in Tampa. You know, I played nicely, didn't score well. So hopefully we can get off the swing technique and, and more into making birdies. Speaking of match play that everyone pays attention to, you're 22nd on the Ryder Cup points list right now. How much of a factor in your back of your mind is making it to Rome? Well, I always want to play on, on the team event every year, no matter what it is, and, and represent our country. Um, but that, you know, that comes when you take care of yourself with good play. So you know the tournaments you got to play well in. These and players and, and the mass, I mean, in the majors help help get the most points. So. Uh, we have a big part of the season coming up to uh, to get to Rome, and hopefully I can I can get rolling. We were talking with World Golf Hall of Famer Ben Crenshaw earlier in the show. His thoughts on the proposed rollback as both a player and a golf course architect. We've been hearing different opinions on the PGA Tour. Where do you stand? Hey, I'm 39, so I'm not too concerned with 2026. Uh, if they want to make me hit it 260 in 2026, and I might just put the cleats up. Well, and you had joked with me about retiring at 40. That's February 15th, 2024. Is that still the game plan, or are you going to extend the uh, horizon to when you hang up those cleats? I don't think, if I keep playing like I've been playing, I don't think it's called retirement. I think it's called quitting. <laughs> um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep rolling, make some more money. We're playing for too much money to, to retire right now. So uh, getting into that top 70 and playing all those big events next year would, would make that decision a little easier. Kevin, you once gave a famously honest answer when you were asked why you play at courses that perhaps aren't best suited to your game when you said they give a lot of money for finishing 20th place. They're given a lot more money for finishing 20th place now. Do you like what you're seeing in terms of the new structure of the tour? I do. I, I think uh, it's going to help uh, the fan base um, tune in more often to watch the best players in the world compete against each other more. I think it's going to... Uh, allow these guys to beat each other up even more, which is going to be interesting. You know, they can kind of spread it out now where they're not having to play all the best players every week, and I'll be interested to see what that does on, on each individual game and, and uh, how their futures shape out. So uh, I also think it's going to help the, the events that aren't elevated. I think they'll have, a, uh, have an awesome field and, and even attract some of the top names to come in their field, and, and they're almost guaranteed to have everyone outside the, the top 50 in their field every week. So I think it's a positive all the way around. Because we got 45 seconds left in the show, about to say goodbye. Do you have a good match play nickname? I'm curious. Match play ninja, assassin, anything? All I've ever been called is a bulldog, and I think it just goes back to the to UGA. Uh, they say you look like a bulldog out there because you never smile. And I, I said, I don't know. I've, I've come to a lot of people's offices. I don't see a lot of people smiling at work. So I don't know why they're all over me about that. Touche. Uh, I'd say advantage Kisner right there. Play well this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, one of the, my faves to talk with on the PGA Tour. He will always shoot you straight.
Yeah, unsparing in his honesty, not only about the state of the game, but in terms of his own future in this game, in terms of being one of the shorter hitters out there. 22-7-1 in Austin Country Club. Impressive stuff from Kevin Kisner. Thanks for joining us on Golf Today.